This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by The Rope Trainer. And as John Smoltz says, everyone should have one, from big leaguers to little leaguers. Make sure you check them out at theropetrainer.com. Excited about some of the response we get from The Rope Report. I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I am. Our good friend Kurt McNabb from Dirtbag Baseball Nation brings us that each and every week. And again, it's all courtesy of our friends Earl Perrin, John Smoltz, and Chris Ferna from The Rope Trainer. Uh, Flying semi-solo today, my co-host Spiker Helms is out uh, Uh, training youth as we speak and uh, had an opportunity to do a special interview that I wanted to do as part of our perfect game series Uh, you know we do these from time to time where we kind of get on a subject and stay on it and try to cover it from different angles Uh, so far you've heard about my own personal experience with personal game my first one actually Uh, and then we had the opportunity to talk to director of media from perfect game Darren Sutton who gave us some insight into the inner workings of perfect game the why Uh, some stuff like that. Uh, This particular interview that I'm excited about doing is going to give us the perspective of a parent uh, whose son has aspirations of playing baseball uh, at some level. Uh, And it's a little bit different maybe than what you might call a traditional perfect game setting as um, this particular kid, child, I don't know what you want to call him, player, has it figured out in my opinion because he wants to use baseball for school instead of the other way around so i'm real interested to get a take uh, on the relationship between this family and perfect game and some just drop dead honesty about its role in the process and i know we're going to get that today and that's why i'm really excited about it before we do that though i want to remind you to make sure you check us out at youthbaseballtalk.com that's the website where you can find the podcast it's also where you can subscribe to the show it's absolutely free and you'll simply get a notification each and every time we uh, put a show out. And like I said, it's a, it's a great way to catch up on back episodes. I say this all the time. I feel like we've got a little Netflix thing going on when I see my numbers each week. It, it does make us feel good about what we're doing here, that we have shows from two years ago that are still getting downloads each and every week. So we do appreciate all the support from our, from our listeners out there and your willingness to share the show. And that's really how it grows. Social media is such a big thing in today's, uh, today's world. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Baseball, and you can like our Facebook page simply by typing in Youth Baseball Talk in the search bar. Uh, our, our ask of you is very simple. Uh, when you see the show, share it around. If you see some of the conversations that we may start through social media, jump on in and give us your opinion. We're not looking for you to agree with us. If you do, that's great. But if you don't, uh, we can't fix anything unless we talk about it and try to come up with some good solutions that affect a large number of people. We're very fortunate to have some of the top influencers within the game involved in the show, so we're always happy to connect you with them as well. Special thanks to lineupmedia.fm. They're the fastest-growing podcast company on the planet. They take your entertainment time very seriously. The numbers tell us if you're listening to this show and you're a podcaster, you're probably listening to about six shows. Well, I promise you, if you check out lineupmedia.fm, they have another show or two that will probably earn your entertainment time. Special thanks to Brian Crock, our producer. He puts this show together with all the segments and makes it sound like we know what the heck we're doing. So uh, it does go without saying we, we could not do the show without him. Well, let's get into today's topic. Again, I've, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, bring you the show each and every week 
and sometimes the topics will, will vary and, and will go off topic. Maybe something that's hot within the game, you know, launch angle, exit speeds, things like that. But for us right now, we're on perfect game, and really only because I had the opportunity to experience it for myself firsthand. And I was just, I, I got to be honest with you, I was just so impressed by, with, by what I saw. And I kind of felt like I had an idea what was going on, and I consider myself to be somewhat knowledgeable about youth baseball, really. I mean, I guess this would technically be prep baseball, but I was just shocked at what I saw. So just with the amazement of it, of it happening, I thought, you know what? I get a lot of questions about it, so I'm going to try to go at it in a different way each week for about a month because of the different resources that we have. But I'm going to try to come at it at a different angle to give you maybe some information that you never thought to ask, maybe some things that have crossed your mind and you wouldn't know who to ask or you wouldn't know who to trust. So uh, we'd like to believe we've earned your trust through some of our interviews, and I thought this would be a great way to address the realness of perfect game and what it can and maybe can't do for you. So I want to welcome in a very good friend of mine. Uh, our sons have played baseball together kind of closely to some degree. Their age is, is, is a year different. So they've played a little bit together over the years, but they've trained a lot together. And um, with with this gentleman's son being a, a pretty darn good player and having aspirations to do the things he wants to do, he's participate, participated in quite a few perfect game events to the point where I think he has a good handle on what it is and what it actually does. So I want to welcome in my friend Jeff Cooper. How are you, Jeff? I'm great, Jim. Thanks for having me. Well, um, I, I have you here today ultimately to talk about your son, Jack, to some degree, um, because he's the player. Uh, he's the one with the dreams, the goals, the aspirations, and doing the things necessary to try to achieve these. Now, we try to make it uh, first and foremost on this show, to never forget that one of those main things are the academics that go along with baseball. Jack takes this very serious, and I know that from knowing him as well as I do. So that is something that, while Perfect Game really ultimately doesn't have anything to do with his academics, it does put emphasis on it. So I think that's a positive. Um, like when my when I created Logan's account. I didn't. One of the first things I noticed on there is there is a place on there for GPA and your ACT. Absolutely, no. I think Perfect Game does a really good job. You know, my my experience with Perfect Game is limited to the last three years. We've been we've been uh, in their events for three years now, um, and I think they do a great job of portraying the whole kid. Right, like there's a because when when you're talking about the the super high end player, the kids that are going to get drafted. Academics obviously are not the top concern of the folks looking at the baseball stuff. But anybody but, you know, the Kumar rockers of this world today, right, the kids that are 100% sure of getting drafted, ev everybody from from that point down, academics are a big deal, right? And, it, and, it's, and it's, you know, if you're, a, if you're an amazing player and the Power Five conferences are after you and they want to they recruit you, your academics still matter. They still matter because it depends on, you know, every every program out there has to have a certain GPA average. So you as a player, no matter how great you are as a baseball player, you have to, you, you fit somewhere in that average and you're either going to bring it down or you're going to bring it up. And, you know, the goal obviously is to bring one of those kids that be one of those kids that bring the average up. I want to back up just a minute. And I want to talk about, and, you know, I, I apologize. There were no pre-interview questions for you to think about these. Yeah. So these are all going to be off the cuff. Great. Um, I, your first experience, do you remember what it was with Perfect Game? Was it a showcase, a tournament? It was a tournament uh, that we went to 
two not two years or two summers ago and um and yeah it was down was in in atlanta um and your first thoughts when you walked in there oh the the the, the facilities are amazing right so you walk in you're immediately blown away because the facilities are so good and then I as what you know, watching how everybody was was doing their thing, whether it's the kids warming up, the coaches getting them getting them warmed up, or the number of scouts that are around, you start to see that not only are there scouts at every field watching the games, but they have those towers at every fourplex, and there are coaches up top watching and being able to go around field to field and and watch each game, and and it's why I think Perfect Game has has cracked the code with regard to recruiting for kids because they've they've tailored their product and, and by the way I should say this I'm I'm in no way affiliated with perfect game I'm just really impressed with what they do they they um, from a coach's perspective the coaches get everything they want they get a central location where they can go watch high caliber kids come through their system from a coach's perspective as well, the coach can go on, and like we were just talking about with with the the online profiles that Perfect Game uh, creates, the coach can go on and get a really good snapshot of what this kid looks like from a recruitment standpoint. What's what are his academics? What is that? What is that? What does his academics look like? What high school does he go to? You know, what are those? What are those uh, uh, stats? Or you know, what what kind of level does that look like? And then what team does he play for in the summer? And what does that look like for this kid, including all the statistics from the their their perfect game events. And so from a coach's standpoint, it's wonderful. From a kid's standpoint, it's also wonderful because you can go on. I can I can highlight my strengths. So if I, you know, if I want to put my my great GPA, my great ACT, the schools I'm interested, you know, I can put a picture up there. I can there's a lot of things that the kid can do or the family can do on behalf of the kid to really highlight the kid. And then from a coach's standpoint, you also get an idea um, as you're as you're looking at it when you take your kids down there of who I who actually might be watching your kids and how you can highlight them best who you might be playing against and and what sort of information you can get from from the perfect game side about those kids so from every single aspect they've cracked the code then you overlay this amazing facility on top of it and it's 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 you know it's as close to perfect as you can get for recruitment uh, a recruitment vehicle You've kind of really done a broad stroke across it. What do you ultimately feel like Perfect Game's role in – what is Perfect Game's role for you as a parent? Like when you think like, – like you get a schedule every year, right? I mean, well, your son does, but ultimately you're a part of that, right? So when you get this schedule and, and your son plays for the same organization my son plays for, when you get this schedule and you see the Perfect Game events, what's the first thing that you think of as far as that role and how it's going to ultimately affect your son? I think the cool thing about what Perfect Game has done is that they've, they've created a tool that's, that's useful for whoever it might be. If my, if my son is somebody like Kumar Rocker that's a draftable kid, um, then I know that I can go to the highest of high-end events and, and that, that prospect will get seen by every professional squad out there. Number one, if my kid is a is a college prospect, whether it's D one, D two, D three, JUCO, whatever it might be, and let's just say that that's probably where you see your son currently for at sure. this moment in time. For sure, okay, absolutely. And so, if 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 my kid is in that world, then the tools that Perfect Game gives you allows you to to in a way, and I don't want to say allows me to because I 
I don't have a lot to do with what my kid does. He does his thing. He's 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 a mature, smart kid, and he and he does his own thing. And I think at that age, they should be doing their own thing. Yeah, I mean, we're here um, for support, right? That's exactly right. I'm, I'm I literally am like a travel companion at this point, as opposed to a you know I, I get some ATM to something. Th- yeah, and I give some guidance, <laughs> but not much. You know, and and they do their thing. But it gives these kids the tools to be able to. Um, to market themselves in a way that they want to. So my son, for example, when when he gets his schedule uh, in the spring for the for the summer perfect game events, instantly what he does is he goes on and he's got four or five or six schools that he's really interested in. He's either been to some of their camps or he's met them at past perfect game events. So he sends them a text or an email and says, Coach, this is my schedule for the summer. I'm going to be at the following perfect game events. And because Perfect Game is so pervasive within the college coaching ranks, he knows that at one or two of those, each one of those five or six schools will be there. And so he's able to give them a heads up, hey, I'm playing for X team, this is what I'm doing, and here's where I am. Then when he gets to the event and he gets his schedule, then he sends out and says to each one of those, coach, I don't know if you're here this week at the WWBA you know, Classic or whatever tournament they're at, uh, here's my schedule for the week. And and then you just wait and see if they show up. Well, and that's something I think gets overlooked, the player taking ownership of his recruitment. Yep. And that would be my biggest advice, by the way. If you're a parent of a high school-age kid and you're trying to, and, and you along with your, your son are trying to go play college baseball and you send an email to a college coach, if I'm a college coach, and I'm not, obviously, but I've heard enough of them speak about it, and you and I are close friends with a number of them, if 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 you're that college coach, that is the first email that goes in the trash. You have to let your son do it himself. They have to do these things themselves. You can help them draft it. You can help them, you know, you can help them do whatever in terms of the language or whatever you want to do, but they have to send it. They have to be the one reaching out to these coaches. So... I'm going to give you a couple scenarios that I want you to kind of file, give me your opinion, okay? I would say it's safe to say, and and I'm not naive enough not to think that through your, I mean, I'm, it, uh, I mean, you tell me over under, you've probably been involved in, I'm going to say 10 to 12 perfect game events, whether yeah. it be showcases or tournaments, maybe. Yeah, that, in might, that, that area. might be low, but right around there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Your, what's the word, your... Um, happy level is probably good, yeah. but not perfect. No, it's not perfect. They're, you know, look, they're just like any organization. They they run some great events, and they and there are a few that are that are clunkers. But I think the truth is, they don't know they're going to be clunkers, right? There are events that uh, there was one in particular, and I won't name it, but there was one in particular we went to this this past summer that on paper, and I'm sure they probably expected it to be an amazing event, as did we. And we showed up, and it was and it was an absolute clunker. It's just what happens. There's a there's there's a certain momentum that goes into great events that ends up having them build to be great events, and there are other that are others that just the energy doesn't get there. Whatever happens doesn't have you know like it just it misses for whatever reason. And I don't I don't blame Perfect Game for that. The truth is, if any if the if the most perfect uh, um, recruitment tool, whether it's a tournament vehicle or an online vehicle, whatever, put on events, and they put on a hundred of event, a hundred events. A third of them are just not going to work. They just don't work very well for whatever reason. And then for each individual player, 
it's probably less than that, right? Like my son went to went to uh, two back-to-back events this year. In one event, he was on the all tournament team and couldn't have played any better. And in the other, in the in the very next tournament, I literally think he went O for the tournament. Didn't get a hit in the entire tournament. So so while from a perfect game standpoint, an external standpoint, that second tournament might have been a great event for my kid. It was a disaster. He played right. terribly. You got to kind of and yeah. and, it, and so. You know, so there there are those events that 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 go through, and your kid's going to play great in some. He's not going to play great in others. And then the truth is, some events just across the board are just not going to go off. Yeah, and I would think, and I I think this applies to a lot of things, not not just baseball or life or workplace, school, whatever. It's the old twenty sixty twenty, right? I mean, twenty percent of it's going to be phenomenal. Sixty is going to be good, yeah. and then twenty is going to really bring down the <laughs> absolutely and again i say this you're going to be hard pressed in my opinion to go to an event at lake point mm-hmm. or anything associated with lake point and not think these guys know what they're doing now to your point there are going to be some things outside of there that they probably try to do that you that you may walk into something that just didn't work out that they tried to do but again i'm not going to fault them for that just like you are now the ultimate problem there is is that like anything in life I mean, you're a businessman Sometimes that's their first chance to make an impression on somebody. And if that's their first chance to make an impression on somebody, they're going to sit there and, and kind of fall into that. Well, I knew I saw some stuff saying they're a money grab and they're this and they're that. So I think that's where that, le- that I'm not going to call it legend, that, that faux uh, opinion. It's not a faux opinion because people are entitled to their opinion. I'm not quite sure of the word I'm looking for here, but first impressions are important. And if that's the only chance you get and, that's life, right? Sometimes that, that is the only opportunity you get. You know, I think they take it really serious, but I don't think they're immune to, to having a clunker, like you said. No, they have them. You know, my, my opinion on that is that I, I don't see anything they're doing. And this is actually true for, for, for most of the, 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 the bigger tournament organizations. I don't think there are – people are too smart these days to continue to fall for the old school money grab, right? Like we've seen enough of the youth baseball tournaments in the the small local uh, guys that put on tournaments where they really are money grabs. Like they're trying to get you your game or two because that's, that, that's what was guaranteed and they're running away with the rest. I think perfect game is almost immune to that, not because they don't do certain month, certain events for income overexposure – but but because there's always some level of exposure and because what you're building with Perfect Game, even when you go to their events that aren't, you know, sort of their top flight events, is you're building this picture of your kid online that anybody can go see. And so I had a, I had a friend of mine who went to one event and called and said that you, you used the exact same term you just used. That was just a complete money grab. I'm so angry. This was terrible. And I said, well, really? He said, oh, my God, the kids there were terrible. It was ridiculous. I said, how'd your son do? He said, ah, he, he hit like 200 and, you know, it was whatever. And I said, kids must have been awful. Right? Like, you're complaining about an event where the kids are terrible and your kid hit, hit 200. No crack on his kid. The point is, maybe your kid was in the right spot. Right, like there is a yeah. I mean, you're. I mean, it, if you come home and say the competition was awful, my kid hit seven fifty. My kid should never hit seven fifty in exactly, a tournament. That exactly. tells you how bad it was. Right. <laughs> and at the same time, by the way, what it also in that instance, I would say, well, boy, take a look at his perfect game profile. Then maybe his overall batting average went from one eighty eight to four hundred. Good for you. Right. Like there, there are 
there's almost no bad. You can play poorly, and your kid can have a bad event. But I find it, I find it, I find the criticism of so, some of these overall events to be um, more about how your kid did. They're more about how your kid did, and they're more about how you feel about it. It's like an ego thing. I went to this; there weren't that many great players. Well, I mean, you can't go to every event every weekend and have there be amazing players at every event. That's why there are ebbs and flows to the season. That's why there are certain tournaments where every team shows up. The, what, what, what I would advise folks to do is focus more on, on the, the overall profile that you're building within Perfect Game. And to me, that's the most valuable thing. Pick your events, or you know, your club is going to pick certain events, but now Perfect Game has a number of individualized events that you can pick and you can go, you can go choose. And choose those wisely. And some of them are, are going to be events where, you know, are they, are they uh, you know, is it the world's greatest competition? No, it's not. But they're going to be well-run events. You're not going to show up and there won't be umpires. You're not going to show up and, you know, you're at the wrong field. Like, they're overall, from, a, from an event running standpoint, they're fantastic. Are you going to show up every event and, and get a kid throwing 95? No, you're not. But if that's what you're looking for, there's three or four of those tournaments every summer. Um, want to hit on the showcase part part of this a little bit. It's a big part of Perfect Game, mm-hmm. um, and it's exactly what it says it is. It's an opportunity for a player to showcase his talent. Yep. Um, there's a lot of good baseball people. I've been having some back and forth with a guy I think a lot of, actually, that has a little bit of a different opinion about it. Um, he finds it to be somewhat uh, non-flattering for certain kids that can actually play but don't have measurables. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I have had that conversation before. Yep. I think my son falls into that a little bit. He wouldn't have one measurable right now, but he can play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I approach it a little bit differently. I go by the whole, um, my opinion of showcases, and, and our friend says this, and I buy into it. Yeah, it's an absolute great opportunity to showcase your talent. Or, or no, it's an opportunity for exposure or an opportunity to become exposed. Mm-hmm. I would say, kind of to your point of something you said earlier about the money grab thing, as far as whether or not you should or shouldn't be at a showcase, and as far as whether or not you get sucked into a money grab situation, shame on you. Because in this day and age, there is way too much information and way too much availability to get that information for you to fall into anything like that. Now, I'm not naive enough not to think that there aren't some things out there that do a real good job of snowing you, to your point. And then you get down there and you're like, this isn't what I thought. I would say that's rarer than it's ever been, only because of the world we live in now and your ability to go out and research what you're doing. No, there's no doubt about it. I, I think you're totally right. And I think, look, I, from a, from a, 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 you know, a, like a core baseball standpoint, do, do, do the, the statistics that come from a showcase really tell you whether or not you're a good baseball player or not no they don't but it's actually why i think that for for on you know sticking to the perfect game piece of it why perfect games model actually does allow showcases to matter is because or allows like combine like showcases to matter is because they're then combined with the rest of it I can see what your 60 time is, but I can also see what your OBP is in these high-level tournaments. I can see what your exit velo is, but I can also see how many doubles, triples, and home runs you've hit in high-level tournaments. I can see, you know, so so there's matching, right? It's a piece of the puzzle. It's a piece of the puzzle. Whereas if you go to some of these regional folks that have, you know, and even, even, 
even there are some folks that are now outside of Perfect Game that are trying to grow nationally that are in 10 states or 20 states. PBR. PBR, whatever. You go to those, and to me, those are the money grabs, right? Those are the ones that are not necessarily, because you don't get the full picture. I can go on to, to a website like that, and I can see that X, Y, you know, my kid ran this in a 60, and my kid's got this from infield velo, and I got, and God only knows, right, because most of it's not laser timed. Most of it's a guy holding the a handheld uh, radar thing. Like it's all inaccurate, just at its core. It's a little user error and and benefit across the board, right? And the way that those things are run is 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 always rough, right? Your kid could be last in line and be completely cold after waiting after fifty kids. There's so much hit and miss there that I find those things to be less worth worthwhile than something like a perfect game where. It's just a small piece of the overall puzzle. If somebody comes and recruits your kid, some college comes and recruits your kid off of a showcase 60 time or an exit velo off of, off of, you know, off of a showcase, run as far away as you can possibly run, right? Like, like if that's why you're recruiting my kid, I should be scared to death because if it's not the overall picture, if you're not worried about what, what my kid's ACT score is, as much as you're worried about what his 60 time is, including what his OBP was or his fielding percentage or his ERA or, you know, whatever other statistic, it's all one big package that that a single showcase can never tell you. Well, and I, you know, I had the opportunity to meet um, Mr. Corbin at the ABCA a couple of years ago and talk to him briefly about some of the topics. Talking about Vanderbilt's coach. Yes. Yep. You actually, um, your son has been to their camp a couple of times. Yep. And I think you came back with a pretty good, impressive story about his comments about Perfect Game. You want to share those with us? His thoughts on Perfect Game? Yeah, I mean, he his it, what he said uh, at a camp because they echoed what he told me is why I was impressed. Because he's consistent for yeah. sure. And and he, by the way, runs runs again. This is from a parental standpoint, right? He runs one of the best programs I've ever seen uh, in any sport, not to mention baseball, just because it's about the person. It's about growing as a person, as opposed to everything else. And obviously his job's on the line to win baseball games, et cetera. But he really tries to grow these kids as people. And he even said, he said, look, we don't, we don't like this as much as anybody else does, but in today's recruiting world, the, the, the opportunities to see these kids are so limited that that when that you have to go to a perfect game, you have to go through one of these systems. And he said perfect game and two other two or two or three other groups. And he said you just you have to go do it because yes, we look at it. We you know we have to. It's not everything we do. Once we see people, then we then then I want to see you as the person. I want to see do you you know are you nice to your parents? Do you run out a ground ball? Like, you know, whatever the sure. whatever they're looking for that day. But And that probably varies from coach to coach, the importance of that. No I, doubt about it. Whether for, we for like it or not. Exactly. For him, it's very important. For others, it's clearly not important. I mean, there, there are, and, and this sounds like I'm slamming them, but there are, there are certainly what I would call no-character programs. And I don't mean that in an awful way where, mm. where they're just recruiting criminals. My point is it's just not what matters to them. What matters to them is how do you play baseball in the field and can I get you into this school, right? Well, and the majority of them recruit, what, 40-something kids total? Exactly. And they hope that 15 to 18 of them work out. Absolutely. I mean, that's what they do now. No doubt about it. And by the way, Vanderbilt's not 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 immune from that as well. Vanderbilt's well I don't think anybody's immune Vanderbilt's to recruiting it. class is as big as anybody's recruiting class. But I think that the difference, and again, I don't, I don't know Tim Corbin personally. My kids just been to his camps for years and 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 heard him speak a number of times. And 
and then you see the caliber of person that comes out of there, whether it's a Dansby Swanson or a Walker Bueller or, you know, Xander Wheeler, whoever, right? The, you could, the, the list goes on and on. David Price, like these are good people and he's worked with them on being better people from the time they walk in as an 18-year-old to the time they walk out as a 20, 21, 22-year-old. He's worked hard on that. And so it's, um, you know, and there are other programs that, that are not worried about that as much. They're worried about winning baseball games more than anything else, which, again, that's, that sounds like a criticism. It's not. It's their job. They have to win baseball games. Just a couple more things for you here. Um, your opinion or your thoughts on this is – this is kind of where that conversation was going with myself and a listener just today, back some back and forth. Um, you know, his flaw he feels for perfect game and the amount of time that's spent on it with these guys is the miss of the kids that can really play but don't have the measurable numbers. Do you think that that's just life, or do you think that's sad? Or you know, I, I, like the I example know. would be the kid that throws eighty that can really pitch, but nobody's interested in him because he throws eighty and everybody's throwing ninety three. Or the kid that's five foot eight that can really pick it, but his exit speed's eighty two miles an hour, and he runs a seven three sixty, and you know he throws it across the diamond eighty two miles an hour instead of ninety, and nobody's but but boy he can really play. My opinion, I'll give you mine first, is I've said it once and I'll say it again. If you take care of your own business, some of that involves grades, some of that in, involves re- handling some of your own recruitment. I believe, I, I know there's only 25,000 people, give or take or whatever, that are playing college baseball. That number is skewed a little bit because you got some guys that are playing minor league baseball. you got some kids that just don't want to play. There's You and I both know some good players that aren't even playing high, college baseball because they don't want to play no more. Mm-hmm. So that number gets skewed, right? I believe that there's somewhere for them to play. Now, it may not be exactly where they want to go, but, but let's face it, beggars can't be choosers sometimes. And in this scenario... I think that's true, but I also believe they can also make their own way a little bit, too. I have a really strong opinion on this, and and it is that Perfect Game is not there to get your son recruited, nor is your club baseball team there to get your son recruited. To get your son recruited is your job. It's nobody else's job. Other people can help you and give you tools. Your club baseball program, your high school baseball program, both of them can help you. They can speak to college coaches. They can give you introductions. They can do whatever. It is not their job to get your kid to college, right? Perfect game, it is 100% not their job to get your kid recruited. It is to give you a vehicle to use, whether it's a statistical vehicle, an online profile vehicle, or an in-person tournament vehicle to showcase your skills. That's all they're there to do. It is not their job to get your kid recruited. Nor, by the way, is it your club coach. I hear so many people, oh, I went to this club and they didn't do anything to get my kid recruited. It's not their job. It's yours. You have to reach out to colleges. And not you, by the way, your kid. You know, we're talking about young men at this point, right? 15, 16, 17 years old. The, the you know, particularly in the instance you're talking about earlier of a kid who throws 80 but can strike everybody out. If that's the case, his profile is going to look pretty damn good on perfect game. His ERA should be great. His whip should be great. All of those things should be great. A kid who can field it really, really well and, and is just a moderate hitter, again, fielding percentage is part of the statistics that perfect games provides, perfect game provides. And in fact, they do a great job, I think, of not of in the way they do their scorekeeping, not giving kids an onerous amount of errors. So you're, you can use those tools to make your own way. I am, I am, um, look, my kid is a, going into junior year in high school. 
we've all been through the youth baseball and now through the select baseball thing. I am so sick and tired of lazy parents saying that perfect game should get their kid recruited or that the St. Louis Pirates should get their kid recruited or the prospects or or the banditos or you name the club, right? You the the Canes, whoever. It is none of those programs job to get your kids to college, you lazy ass. Get your kid to college on your own and use the tools that other people have given you, whether it's your club tools, your high school tools, or, or the perfect game tools, or any of these other sites that we've been talking about, use those to find the right school for your kid and get them there. Well, you just said a mouth with the right school thing. And, you know, it's funny, you sound like Justin Stone. I mean, he's a program owner, elite, but, you know, he, he, I think you and I had talked that, that when I was with him like three years ago when we were talking about my older son, he was asking me these questions, and I was pretty naive about it. And he looked at me and said, you know, the only thing here is to market your son. That's what this is about. You have to market him. You market him as a player, you market him as a student, and you market him as a person. That's what this is about. Yep. If he wants something, you got to go get it. Last thing before you go, and you kind of already touched on it. In your opinion, how big a role ultimately will perfect game play in what happens with your son when it comes to his college experience? Um, I don't think it'll play a gigantic role. I, I in getting him in 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 eventually in deciding where he eventually wants to go but i also think it will be a gigantic tool so i know that sounds that sounds like i'm having it both ways but i look at perfect game the if you are good enough to play for a club that plays in their top tournaments that gets invited year in year out to play in their top tournaments that there's a that gives your kid credibility as a player so you, you have like a safety net, right? Well, yes, I was good enough to make this team. So so-and-so at, at such and such club thought I was good enough. That gives you, it's, it's almost like vouching for your ability in the first place. Then if you can go there and perform, make an all-tournament team, have a good average, hit for power, pitch well, whatever it might be, field well, whatever it might be, then you take those strengths and you go and you market yourself to the schools that are right for you, whatever level, whatever level you're looking at. Um, and so I think it's a big tool. I don't think it's a big outcome uh, predictor or doesn't have a huge uh, um, impact on your outcome because the tool is exactly that. It's what you use it for, right? So if you, if you use the tool, then it, can be, then it can play a major role. If you don't and you expect the tool to go out, you expect the hammer to go out and nail the nail itself, you're never going to get anywhere. That's good stuff, man. I appreciate it greatly. I, uh, you know, I, I would say that, I think you. I think a parent can get caught up in this because I think I did. You know, you show up, your son's out there playing baseball. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. In our situation, a BBWWA or whatever it is is one thing, but an invitational is a complete another. So everybody there is really, really good. And I, I was a little overwhelmed by that. But the thing that I think I probably fell into a little bit was, I mean, it is like a who's who of college recruiters, and they wear their their shirts and their hats like a badge of honor. It's like you said, it's all the power five. Yep. You know what you don't see, and I don't, and, and again, this is a great question. I don't know because I don't see them is where's the smaller colleges? They're there. You know, and that's, that is the thing that I think would be another interesting topic that that's going to be something that I want to touch on with the Justin Stones and the Rick Stricklands of the world. What about the, the non power fives? Because there's a lot of players there that aren't power five guys. 
Like, I would consider my son to be one of those guys. Sure. He's definitely not a Power 5 guy. I'm not even sure he's a Division 1 or Division 2 guy. Mm-hmm. So my point is, how does that affect him? So that'll be where I go with this next, especially based on the stuff that you had to say. But I appreciate it because, like I yeah, said, no I think, you know, we, we all know that I have a lot of kids listening to the show, a lot of prep kids, a lot of parents, mm-hmm. coaches that have done it. So I think it's always good to get that perspective because, again, you can only hear so many times from the people that are actually putting it on telling you why it's good for them. It's almost yeah. like, you know, this is why you should take this. Okay, I, I know you think I should take it, but what about the guy that makes ultimate decisions and, and has to live with the results? So good stuff, man. I appreciate it greatly. No, no, thank you for having me. It's uh, Jeff Cooper. Again, uh, his son, I think a lot of both as a kid, a, a player, um, and, and got his head on straight. We talk a lot with some of the kids around here about using baseball as a tool for academics, you know, because let's face it, I don't think any of us are dream crushers, but the, the chances are they're all going to be doing something outside of the world of baseball in five to ten years. So for those select few that get an opportunity to, to, to play professionally, great for them, and this is just another avenue for that. But I think you got to take into consideration what your ultimate goal is with this whole thing. And the and he had said it, you know, the avenue to get there, kind of like a, a, a springboard, if you will, to get to where your ultimate goal needs to be and where you want it to take you. So good stuff. I appreciate it greatly. Uh, gonna take uh, gonna take a minute here and hear from our good friend Kurt McNabb as the show is obviously uh, each and every week brought to you by our good friends over at the Rope Trainer. We encourage you to check out theropetrainer.com and as John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. So let's take a short break here and, uh, and and listen to the great segment put on by Kurt McNabb and Dirtbag Baseball Nation, as brought to you courtesy of Earl Perrin, Chris Vernon, and John Smoltz. See you on the other side. Bonjour, dirtbags and members of the Rope Revolution. That's right, you heard me correct. I'll be bringing you the Rope Report all the way from France over the next four weeks. We've been invited to teach baseball to players and coaches over here in the Paris area of France, so it's a working holiday for Dirtbag Baseball Nation and the Rope Trainer. What an awesome opportunity for us to expand the game of baseball. My two sons have been over here coaching and playing since the beginning of March, and I have been asked to develop a throwing and pitching program using the Rope Trainer. While over here, we also had the opportunity to visit historical World War landmarks throughout the Normandy region like Omaha Beach, Vimy, and Dieppe. I just sometimes have to step back and realize how lucky I am that I get to travel around all over the world uh, just because I can teach the game of baseball. It's pretty humbling, and uh, I'm honored every time I get to do this. And again, I'm humbled to say the least but also very excited and pleased to be able to teach, instruct, and educate players and coaches about arm care and pitching properly by using their entire body. As I mentioned, my sons took over the rope trainers to help with training right from the start of the season, and they were so well received that it has led to this. I've also been saying every week, pitching and throwing is our number one priority at Dirtbag Baseball Nation, and the rope trainer helps us tremendously with being an arm care specialist. I truly believe that every player should have their own rope trainer to help with their throwing. First off, you're training with the baseball, which is what you use in a game. Secondly, the ropes are easy to attach and give you the resistance necessary during the throwing motion as well as give vital feedback to let you know when you're using it correctly. You have to extend and follow through properly every time in order for the rope to finish on your back. That is going to tell you that you're doing your throw or pitch correctly. 
Using the rope trainer forces you to act activate muscles in your whole body naturally. And once you've been taught how to use it properly, you can train in a variety of ways depending on what position you play or if you're throwing in the bullpen. These are all training programs I will be teaching over here in France over the next month. If you're interested in having me come and talk or train your program or association, please, please reach out to me directly at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com. Again, you can contact me at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com for guest speaking, training, whatever. It's what we do, so don't be on the outside looking in. France Baseball is stepping up and getting dirty with their throwing program, so I'm encouraging you to do the same. If you already have your own rope trainer, you know what I'm talking about. You know the difference it makes. You feel the difference it makes. And if you don't have your own rope trainer, you can get one by going to www.theropetrainer.com now. Again, you can get yours at www.theropetrainer.com. Be sure to enter Dirtbag5, that's Dirtbag, the number 5, at checkout so that we know you heard about it here on Youth Baseball Talk and the Rope Report. I'm Kirk McNabb from France, and that's all I have for this week's, or sorry, that's all I have for this week, Dirtbags. So keep following us on Facebook and Instagram at Dirtbag Baseball Nation, and also on our website at www.dirtbag.com baseballnation.com again that's www.dirtbagbaseballnation.com to find out all about what we offer you can also email me directly as i mentioned earlier with any questions or comments at any time in regards to throwing or pitching it's what i do it's what i love at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com until next week it's expected of you to stay Dirtbag baseball worthy by hitting those fields and getting dirty. Great stuff, Kirk. Really appreciate it. You do such a great job. And again, I know those guys picked one heck of a guy to uh, to 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 bring in to use for their rope report. Means a lot to us. Means a lot to our listeners. We got something new going to be happening here real soon with the rope report. Uh, I'm real excited about a program that Earl Parent and the guys are going to do. It's going to mean a it's going to mean a lot to all you guys out there that they get the opportunity to come onto the show. Going to give us some real feedback too on a great product. Uh, now it's time to take it on over to our good friend Justin Stone for his EliteBaseball.tv training tip of the week. I know you guys all look forward to to what Justin has to say. Uh, it's, it's amazing how he takes it from one end of the spectrum to the other on a weekly basis, and we always feel like we're learning something. Let's hear from him now. Thanks, Jim. Justin Stone here with EliteBaseball.tv. And I'm standing in a parking lot, and I'm dripping with sweat. If you're watching this on video today not just listening to the podcast, and you might ask why. What are we doing? Well, I just got done finishing a member's blog that I'm gonna correlate to the topic we'll talk about in the podcast day today. And what we're talking about is having fun. And with so much emphasis goes on the teaching learning portion and detailing fundamentals that sometimes we forget that this is a kid's game and kids get enjoyment out of the game when they're in a fun learning environment. So sometimes that means you gotta take fundamentals a little more out of the equation and focus on just being athletic. And I've hit on this a couple of times on our closed Facebook group where I've made some comments on EliteBaseball.tv where we've said 
with my own kids, I have a daughter that's five years old now and starting to play, and she's not very good, but she enjoys being around me, and she enjoys swinging the bat and fielding a ball with a attention span of about 30 seconds. And people ask me when they see these pictures, what are you teaching her? Because I'm sure they have sons or daughters of a similar age, and they want to know, where do you start with a youth athlete? And what I said is, I've taught her nothing. Other than the basics of just getting into a good foundation and a good stance, I'm letting her explore movement and have fun while doing it. Players need to learn how to use their own bodies. And there's no better way to learn, your, learn how to use your own body than exploring during play. So one of my favorite drills that we just filmed right now is one I did as a young athlete with my dad, where I felt like made me a lot more athletic as an infielder, is just a one and two ball drill moving from side to side in a vacant street. So that's what we were filming here today in a parking lot. Chicago streets are a little bit busier than mine back home in the sticks. We didn't have traffic on those roads. So I could go from side to side as my dad was rolling me these ground balls, not because he was forcing me to do a drill, because I thought this was a lot of fun, working on a backhand, throwing from a unique position, doing a spin throw, doing a jump throw. It wasn't showboating, it wasn't being a hot dog, it was having fun. However, as you get older and you see these plays on TV, or you're forced to do one of these plays in a game, how are you ever gonna experience this in a game correctly if you haven't done it a thousand times in practice? So exploring movement is definitely helpful to players down the road in figuring out how to use their bodies and be more athletic as an infielder. That's what got me a Division I scholarship. I know as I got older, I was more known for my offensive abilities, which in reality really weren't very good. I know I'm a hitting coach and I talk to you a lot about hitting on here, but my swing was terrible. I was just fast enough to outrun my, my bad hits. But my glove and my athleticism on the infield is really what allowed me to play at a higher level than I probably should have. And I got that from the age of seven, eight, and nine years old by exploring movement without any restrictions from a coach or a parent while I was practicing. Be as athletic as you can. Have as much fun as you can. And that's what gets people climbing back to us to get back into this game, because they're having fun. So as we get into the fall time, where I mentioned even last week, we're getting into some details of things we need to adjust as players or get better at, don't forget the fun aspect. Find a way to get competitive in some of your drills, just intrinsic competitiveness. Can I do this better? And have fun. Have players explore athletic movements and try things they haven't tried before. And that's going to have them coming back asking you to practice more, and it's going to make them better down the road. For EliteBaseball.TV, I'm Justin Stone. Until next week, we'll see you on the field. Great stuff, as always, from Justin. We do appreciate him, and we encourage you highly to check out EliteBaseball.TV. Be the best thing you ever did. Such great information and, and tools and training that you can use both for your individual player and your teams. I'm uh, going to take it on over to Rick Strickland now for the Ask Rick segment. Uh, interested to hear what he has to say this week. A uh, little side note here, we're going to be changing up the Ask Rick. I know we like the questions, but I got a lot of people really missing some of the tips and stuff from Rick, so we're kind of working with him to see how we can incorporate that again. Uh, but for now, let's take it on over and hear what he has to say. Take it away, Rick. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me again on the show. I'm always excited to get on here and answer a few questions from the audience, uh, especially during the during baseball season. People have a lot of different things that come to mind, and uh, they want to try to get every advantage they can um, to help their kid, son, or daughter be able to uh, to perform better on the field. The question this week is not a question I hadn't heard before. I've heard that before. A uh, lot of times we've spoken about it uh, uh, with our players as well. But the question this week we have for the show is when facing pitches at the youth levels, should we tell our younger players not to even offer at a curveball or breaking pitch? 
Um, one of the things I would say is, you know, I assume that we are talking about, uh, you know, really young players, 11, 12, 13 years old, maybe even 14, perhaps 14. Uh, I find it interesting that you're having to have that discussion with people at that age, uh, that they're throwing enough breaking pitches to have you even, uh, even talk to your players about not offering at it. You know, to, to, to be in a situation where you have to make a decision on whether or not to swing at a curveball means that you're probably seeing a whole bunch of them. You know, if one gets thrown once a game or twice a game, I don't think that that's much of an issue. And I don't think you're going to be able to teach a kid to be able to recognize that particular type of pitch that he only sees once, you know, every two or three weeks or whatever it is like that. But I find it very um, interesting that the person who asked this question would be seeing a whole bunch of breaking pitches and would want to know a little bit more about what the age group of the player is at this point um, uh, that would put a kid in position to throw a lot of breaking pitches. So that's just my point. There's some people out there that think that, you know, you're not saving yourself for a big league level, so let the pitcher throw whatever he wants to, wants to at this point. Uh, again, my thing is is that uh, breaking pitches aren't very difficult to hit if you are, especially the younger age group, because you know, most kids don't tend to to uh, spin the ball that much. Uh, but if you're operating biomechanically efficient and you're, you've got a pretty good uh, idea of how to track pitches, um, you shouldn't have much of an issue with that. The issue with hitting breaking pitches is most of the time people, kids can't recognize them, even adults can't recognize them early enough, and so they end up offering at the ball. Uh, and usually breaking pitches, uh, I don't think, and I haven't gone back and looked at some of the big league data on breaking pitches, but I only would have to assume that a lot less of those pitches are being thrown for strikes at that upper level, uh, which only leads me to believe at the younger level, I'd assume that many curve balls that are being swung at are balls that are not strikes at all. So. Again, when you're you're, dis, you're disciplining kids, it's not that you shouldn't swing at it because you're intimidated about swinging at them. You know, if a pitcher throws your pitch that's a curveball, that's a strike, it's going to be a, a hittable pitch. You have to think about how the plane of the pitch is actually coming in. Any curveball that's thrown is actually going to pop up, so it's going to have a wider angle. So it may be coming down. When I say angle, the, the degrees of which it's coming to the plate may be, you know, a double-digit 12, 13-degree slope to the plate, so the ball's going to pop up uh, at that point. So if it's a strike, that means that ball's coming in high. We know that a lot of pitchers are taught to keep the ball down. If you're throwing curveballs for strikes, it's probably a pitch that's probably a very hittable pitch that you can swing at. So if you're seeing enough of those pitches that you have to make decisions on, uh, and you, I wouldn't discourage a kid from not swinging at curveballs that are thrown for strikes. It's part of that whole pitch recognition thought process that you go through. Um, if the kid doesn't see them very often, I don't know that you're going to be able to coach him by telling him not him or her not to swing at it because he hadn't seen it much. Or usually they're going to be fooled by those pitches. A lot of times in the instruction business, when I'm talking to hitters that come in, they say, well, I'm having trouble with the curveball, having trouble with the curveball. And then you talk to them about where the pitch location was and so the pitches is bouncing and things like that. So you're not really going to help that kid by improving his swing. You're going to improve that kid's swing by helping him identify which pitches to hit. Uh, with that. It doesn't matter whether that pitch is a curveball or fastball or whatever it's like that, especially if they're strikes or pitches that they can handle. I shouldn't always be be too um, uh, cautious to say strikes. We we definitely need to say the pitches that you can hit. Last night I was watching a game on TV. Uh, Seth Grinke got his no-hitter broken on a pitch that was a curveball or a slider that was down and in, and it was not a strike, and the guy hit it about 450 feet. So 
when we talk about pitch location, we're talking about pitches that the hitter can hit. And that's based on an individual. It's not always, you know, uh, a pitch that, that would be hittable for other pitches, uh, other players based upon the swing. So my advice to the guys, you tell them not to swing at a pitch. I mean, you could try that if a guy's throwing a lot of them, he's not throwing any for strikes. But, you know, I would say, okay, in most circumstances, you've got to continue to work with kids on identifying all types of pitches and teaching them how to, how to swing that way. So hopefully my rambling this week, Jim, helps some people uh, in this process of becoming better players. Uh, as usual, we can be reached on uh, trainwithrsb.com, or you can reach me uh, through that website either by sending us an email, text, uh, message, and, uh, you know, we can answer some questions fur- further for me. Again, Jim, thanks for having me on. Look forward to being on the show next week. Thanks again. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it greatly, as always, and I look forward to the the new stuff we're going to do in the future. Make sure you check him out at Brick Strickland Baseball. His uh, swing rehab is one of the top hitting programs in the country. Uh, Part of St. Louis Pirates Nation, and, of course, he's brought to you by Blast Motion. Really enjoyed the show today, and I hope you did as well. I know sometimes sometimes perfect game can be an interesting topic. As I said, I think part of it is sometimes – you know, we can't control first impressions. Um, they happen. They're part of life. Uh, sometimes your experience isn't what everybody else's is, and you're going to say, hey, I really don't care about yours. I'm telling you about my experience, and everybody's entitled to that as well. Again, I think the purpose of our show, as always, is just to provide you guys with a little bit of information. Um, we know nobody's perfect, and and we know there's always going to be situations where things just don't work out. So we'd love to hear some of those stories and love to hear your comments and concerns. Uh, I don't know that there's ever going to be anything perfect, especially for something that has so many moving parts. Uh, and let's face it, some of it's a lot of opinion too. That's something that's really tough with baseball is it's not just stats, although some people would have you believe that. You've got a lot of stuff that goes on in here with the word potential. Um, upside's a big one, bloom, late bloomer, things like that. It all causes that that up and down feeling of when we feel good and bad about baseball and where it's taking our son in the process and or daughter, the case may be with softball and things like that. Really, in anything, I, it, it could be sports, college, in general life. That 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 up and down railroad coaster, you know, the, or that, that roller coaster ride is just you know, it, it just makes you doubt it sometimes. And then when things are going well, you think it's the greatest thing. And then when something doesn't work out, you're like, man, I thought this was really going to help me. I think Jeff's comments were pretty dead on. Don't rely on anything else to to assist you in getting something you really want. Use it as a tool, but use it as one of many tools. And that would be my recommendation based off my uh, very uh, limited amount of uh, interaction with Perfect Game to this point, which has been a couple of tournaments. Um, I look forward to a continued involvement with them for my son's sake. I do think it's important um, for his growth. I do think it's important for him to achieve what he wants to to be. Um, will it ultimately decide if he achieves his goals? I don't know that it will ultimately decide, but I think it can help him. Um, I don't know how it's going to hurt him. I think if there's any situation where at the end of this I look at it, I mean, what am I going to say? Yeah, you know, if he wouldn't have played in those perfect game events, which was really good competition, he wouldn't have struggled, and then maybe one of these really good schools would have recruited him if they wouldn't have realized he wasn't as good as we thought he was. I mean, that's kind of crazy to say out loud. So I really don't know where the downfall is. Uh, I understand some of the comments sometimes. There's a lot of good players out there that don't have measurables. I think right now, to be completely honest with you, my son falls into that category. 
Uh, he's not going to light up a radar gun. He's not going to light up an exit speed. He's not going to light up the stopwatch running. I'd say he's a good runner, not a great runner. I'd say he can hit a little bit. I'd say he's very he's pretty good defensively. He's you know he's a scrappy baseball player, but there's nothing he's going to do that's going to make anybody look at a number and go wow. Um, so you know I think my son might fall into this category a little bit of some people that may say I don't know that it helps. So we'll see. I, I'm going to be a pretty good gauge of this because I'm going to live through it and see where it takes him and ultimately if it does anything for him. Again, I don't know. I, I, I have zero idea. I may look at it at the end. Like some, I have friends that look at it at the end and say, you know what, we did all that and my son wound up here and I think he would have wound up here whether he would have done that or not. And I might even agree with that, but I will say this. If there was ever an opportunity for him to do even more than that, if that's what he wanted to do, at least you had that opportunity to see if it fit for you. That would be my only thing. You know, you know, if you're going to try it, you might as well try it on the stage, right, and see if it fits for you. And then you ultimately find out exactly that, what fits for you. So anyway, I, I don't know. I hope this helped a little bit today. I, I'm really anxious about the next couple interviews I want to do on this. And it's with guys that run programs that participate in the events. Because as Jeff said, my guess is going to be that like a Rick Strickland and a Justin Stone, while understanding Jeff's points, I think they're going to take their role in it a little bit more serious. I think if you were to tell Justin Stone or Rick Strickland, hey, I don't expect you to get my son recruited, they would say, well, I understand that, but we are here to help. And Jeff would say, "Ah, I, I know you're here to help, but I'm not counting on you to do it. Both those guys would probably feel like if they didn't at least help to some high degree that maybe they didn't do their job, so to speak. So I'll be real interested to hear their take on that and, of course, the role that Perfect Game plays in their programs and the ultimate recruitment of players to get to the colleges, maybe not always of their choice, but maybe of where they belong, where they wind up. Uh, We all know that sometimes that doesn't always work either. They wind up somewhere and then they wind up somewhere else before they reach their ultimate home. But either way... That 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 super highway to being able to showcase your skills is what we're really talking about. Remind everybody to check us out at youthbaseballtalk.com. It's where you'll find the show, and of course, you can subscribe there as well. Hit us up on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Search for us on Facebook. Type in Youth Baseball Talk. Be a part of our growing baseball community. Like our stuff. Share it around in an effort to reach all the great baseball people. Send in your questions to info at youthbaseballtalk.com. Special thanks again to our good friend Earl Perrin. Of course, Chris Verna, the great trainer, and everybody's favorite, John Smoltz. As he says, when it comes to the rope trainer, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Make sure you give them an opportunity, theropetrainer.com. Really excited about unleashing the new program. We're going to be starting with them here real soon. And, of course, cannot thank our friend Kirk McNabb enough from Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Such a passionate guy. He cares so much about what he's doing. I love the fact that he's over in France doing his thing. Let me tell you, the world needs more people like these guys that are just out there trying to help and that love the game of baseball. For Youth Baseball Talk, I'm Jim Cromer. My partner, Spiker Helms, will be back with us. See you guys on the field. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm.
This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.